Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the immense privilege it is to be here this morning and to be listening to what you have to say in your word that was written for so many people over so many centuries and even for us today. Lord, we pray that you may be with me as I speak. We pray that you may keep error far from my lips and we pray that what I say may indeed exalt your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that those brethren who are here this morning who trust in Jesus may be encouraged to keep on trusting in him. And if there is anyone here this morning who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, may you open their eyes to see him in all his glory. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, how do you know you're the best at something? We all like to be good at things, and sometimes we like to be the best, that no one actually can beat us in something in particular. I know in our house, I like to be considered the best at computers with information technology, that nobody else in the house actually knows more about computers than I do. Now, with Joshua and Philippa, my two children, it's not hard to beat them. They still really don't know what a computer is, uh, and they know where the power button is. They somehow pick up on that pretty quick, even though they're only two and four years old. Uh, but Jill is another formidable opponent in trying to be the best at IT in the house, because Jill actually studied computers at school, which I did not do. Jill formally learned how to touch type as well, which I did not do. I just suddenly realised one day I no longer was looking at the keys. Um, and so she actually has quite a bit of computer clout in the home. But I still like to think that I am the best, that I spend a lot of time around computers, I enjoy computers, and so that I am the best when it comes to IT, information technology, in the house. This morning we're going to look at whether somebody, who is the best at being high priest, at the job of a high priest. We've been looking at this uh, for a number of weeks as we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 4 and then chapter 5, which is found on page 1186 of your Black Church Bibles. I encourage you to have those open before you, have your Bible open as we look at Hebrews chapter 4 and and then particularly this morning, chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. Because in previous weeks, we've looked at the role of the high priesthood and what a high priest did. We looked at how he is one who offers sacrifices for the sins of the people. And we look back in, in uh, Leviticus and the instructions that are given there on that how the high priest is to offer sacrifices. And we then saw that the high priest Aaron and the people who follow him, his sons, are inferior to high priest Jesus Christ. And we saw evidence for that back in verse 14 of chapter 4. In verse 14 of chapter 4, we saw clearly that Jesus is a greater high priest. What does it say there in verse 14? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Why is Jesus such a great high priest? Well, we saw that he has gone through the heavens. He didn't just go into an earthly tabernacle here on earth. He went through the veil, through the heavens, to heaven itself. And, of course, what do we learn about Jesus as high priest in verse 14? We saw that Jesus is the Son of God. In comparison to Aaron and the priests that follow him, they're not sons of God. They're not the Son of God. And so Jesus is much greater than them because he is God's one and only son. But you may still not be convinced. Why should I follow Jesus Christ? 
Or you may be convinced. I mean, we've got to remember that this letter of Hebrews was written to Jews who were thinking of leaving Christianity because it was causing them pain and going back to Judaism that accepted Jesus Christ. But now we're thinking maybe when you follow Jesus, life gets difficult. And it was all nice when we had Aaron, well, Aaron's son, looking after us as high priest. Shouldn't we go back to him? And this morning I want to show that Aaron and his sons are inferior to Jesus as high priest because they were sinners. Because they were sinners. We've got to remember that if you want to be the best at something, it's important not to make mistakes. If I want to beat Jill in our little my little game, she doesn't really want to compete, in trying to be the best at computers in the home, then I'd better make sure I make as few mistakes as possible. So that when Jill makes a mistake, well, then she falls behind and I increase in my abilities and I become the better person in the home. And it's the same if we're comparing high priests. If someone is after the job of high priest and one person makes mistakes and the other person doesn't make mistakes, who is the better high priest? Of course, it's the one who doesn't make mistakes. And so this morning, I want to show you that the author of Hebrews is careful to point out that the high priests of Aaron are inferior because they make mistakes, because they sin. Now, how does he show this to us? Well, the first way we see it is that high priests from Aaron were sinners as they dealt gently with unintentional sinners. That's my first main point this morning. If you want to follow along my main points, they're there on the back of the church bulletin and they're pretty long ones this morning. Usually I keep my main points as short as possible, but I couldn't really pull it off uh, today. So you see there my first main point is high priests from Aaron were sinners as they dealt gently with unintentional sinners. Now where do we get that from? Well, it's there for you in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 5. Well, I'll read from verse 1. From verse 1 we read, Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. There's your high priest job description. But then in verse 2, it starts to talk about Aaron and his priests. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. See there in verse 2, it says that the high priest is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant. He deals gently with the ignorant. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think this is a reference to those people who sin ignorantly. Sometimes we sin intentionally with knowledge that it is sin. Sometimes we sin and we have no idea that we have actually sinned. We have sinned unintentionally. We were ignorant in our sin. And priests knew this because there were different types of sacrifices for people who sinned intentionally and people who sinned unintentionally. Flick back with me to Numbers chapter 15, verse 27, page 146, 146 of the Black Church Bibles. Numbers chapter 15, verse 27. 
Numbers chapter 15, verse 27, page 146 of the Black Church Bible says, But if just one person sins unintentionally, he must bring a year-old female goat for a sin offering. The priest is to make atonement before the Lord for the one who erred by sinning unintentionally. And when atonement has been made for him, he will be forgiven. One and the same law applies to everyone who sins unintentionally, to whether he is a native-born Israelite or an alien. So there we see in Numbers chapter 15, which priests knew quite well, that people can sin unintentionally. And I think this is what is being spoken of in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2, where it says, He is able, that is a high priest, to deal gently with those who are ignorant. But how does that show that a high priest is a sinner? That he deals gently with the ignorant shows he is a sinner. Well, it's because of what it says in the rest of verse 2. It says, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. He himself is subject to weakness. That demonstrates, I think, that he himself sins ignorantly. He himself sins ignorantly. Why is he gentle with ignorant sinners, ones who sin unintentionally? Because the high priest himself is subject to that same weakness and he knows that he sins ignorantly and so he is gentle with people who are ignorantly sinning as well. If I am conscious, if I'm talking to someone and they are saying, I do this sin, and then I come along and I know I do the same thing, am I going to be gentle with them or harsh? I'm going to be gentle with them because I know that I struggle with the same problem. And so I'm going to be sympathetic with them and deal gently with them. And so by my dealing gently with that sinner, I'm showing that I'm subject to weakness myself. I'm subject to unintentional sins. And we see that with Aaron, the first high priest. He was subject to lack of knowledge, ignorance. He needed his brother Moses to instruct him about what God said should happen. Last week we looked at what is the job of a high priest in verse 1. It's to represent men in matters related to God, to reveal God's will to the people. Aaron couldn't do that perfectly because he didn't speak to God face to face like Moses did. There were gaps in his knowledge. He was ignorant. And then we see high priests do commit ignorant sins. Think of Eli in 1 Samuel 1. And he sees Hannah there in the, well, the, the place of meeting, the, um, when it wasn't a temple at that stage, uh, she's there praying fervently for a son. What does Eli think she's doing? She's mumbling away because she's drunk. He tells her, don't drink alcohol. And he is there sinning ignorantly because he doesn't know everything that's going on in Hannah's life. He rebukes her and is harsh towards her. Even when we know that with his own self, he's got all kinds of problems going on with his own children. His sons were being um, terrible with God's sacrifices. They were treating God's sacrifices with contempt, if you read the early part of 1 Samuel. And, if, and it's even reported that they were sleeping with women. Uh, and they were committing acts of sexual immorality. And yet here he is rebuking Hannah when she's praying fervently to God for a child. High priests of Aaron 
they do sin and they sin ignorantly. And so we see that they then need to deal gently with people when they find them in sin as well. They come along to them. They're like when Jesus says, make sure you get the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. They they recognise that they've got planks in their own eyes. And so when they come to their brothers and sisters, they recognise that they have to be gentle with them. Because if they're too harsh, then of course they're hypocrites in the way that they're dealing with them. So we see firstly that the high priests of Aaron are sinners because they deal gently with unintentional sinners, with ignorant sinners. Is there another way that we know that the high priests are sinners in this passage? Well, in verse 2, it doesn't just talk about ignorant sins, unintentional sins. It also talks about intentional sin. Verse 2, it says, He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray. People going astray. Now remember back in Numbers chapter 15, we saw that there were unintentional sins on page 146 of your, your Bibles, page 146. But right after that, in Numbers chapter 15, verse 30, we see intentional sin there as well. Verse 30 of Numbers chapter 15, But anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or alien, blasphemes the Lord, and that person must be cut off from his people. Because he has despised the Lord's word and broken his commands. That person must surely be cut off. His guilt remains on him. There are these people who intentionally sin against God. They go astray. They know God's law, but then they choose to disobey it. And we see here that this is spoken of, that the priests deal with such people gently. Now, how does that help us understand that the high priests are sinners? Well, high priests sin intentionally as well. They know God's law, but then they sin against it. That is what it's meant by, in verse 2, it says, since he himself is subject to weakness. That line there includes ignorant sin and the sin of going astray, where we are intentional in our sin. And so the high priest knew they had to be gentle with intentional sinners because they too intentionally sinned against God. And we see evidence of that in the Old Testament as well. What do we see Aaron doing as high priest? While Moses is up on the mountain receiving the word of God, what is Aaron doing down, down at the foot of the mountain? Making a golden calf for the people to worship. And then that passage that we just looked at in Numbers 12, what do we see Aaron doing there with his sister Miriam against his brother Moses? They're grumbling against him. They're saying, Moses, he's okay, but we should also be getting a bit of the limelight. And they grumble intentionally against Moses, who is God's revealed mouthpiece from God. And what about the high priest that we know very well at Jesus' trial, Caiaphas? Did he sin intentionally? Did he know it was wrong to conduct that trial at night and then to condemn an innocent man? He knew he was innocent, that he had done nothing wrong. It was out of jealousy, we know, that the high priest and the other religious leaders wanted to get rid of Jesus. They sinned intentionally against Jesus. We have lots of evidence in our Bibles, that the priests sin intentionally. 
And so then we see that here in verse 2, it's not unreasonable what the author is saying, where he says, He, the high priest, is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. He is gentle with intentional sinners because he knows he sins himself. And so he can't be too harsh with such people because he himself sins intentionally as well. So we see that high priests are sinful because of the way they deal gently with sinners, both intentional sinners and unintentional sinners. Is there another way that we see in this passage that high priests are sinners? Well, yes, that brings me to my third main point this morning. High priests from Aaron were sinners as they offered sacrifices for their own sins. High priests from Aaron were sinners as they offered sacrifices for their own sins. We see in verse 1 that high priests do a great job. They do a very important job. They do a holy job of representing men in matters relating to God. They declare the will of God to people. They tell God about the people, try and make intercession for them. And what else do we see in verse 1? It says, to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. They have the great job of making atonement for the sinners in their community. But the high priests weren't just meant to offer sacrifices for the rest of the community. What do we read in verse 3? This is why, because he's subject to weakness and sins, this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. How do we know a high priest is a sinner? Because he has to offer a sacrifice for himself as well as for everybody else. He doesn't stand up in the community and say, I have to offer a sacrifice for all you guys. But for me, I'm okay. No, we see explicit instructions. And when we looked at this, uh, the passage in Leviticus on the Day of Atonement, last time I preached on, on this, we saw that he has to offer that bull for his own sins before he even dares go into the holy place and offer the goats to God for the sins of the rest of the people on the Day of Atonement. And so by offering that sacrifice as instructed in Leviticus chapter 16, Aaron and his descendants reveal that as high priests they are sinners because they need to offer a sacrifice for themselves. So we see that the high priests descended from Aaron are sinners. They sin unintentionally, they sin intentionally, and they need then to deal gently with other sinners. And then we also see that they offer sacrifices for their own sins. They are indeed sinners. So if we now have another high priest come along who doesn't sin, well then of course he is a greater high priest than Aaron and his descendants. Does anyone do that? Is anyone a high priest who never actually sinned? Well, yes, there is someone. And that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. High priest Jesus is not a sinner and so is the greatest high priest. High priest Jesus is not a sinner and so is the greatest high priest. We know that Jesus was without sin from the pages of the New Testament. We are told in a number of places that he never sinned. And just back in chapter 4, just a few verses earlier in chapter 4 of Hebrews, we see in verse 15... 
that it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And so these things that are said of the high priest in verse 2 and 3 do not apply to Jesus. He does not, Jesus does not, need to deal gently with ignorant, unintentional sinners because Jesus himself never sinned unintentionally. He is not forced to deal gently with people because he knows he has done those sins himself. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jesus does not deal gently with people and deal gently with the ignorant. We know that he does. He lovingly teaches the foolish all through the Gospels. We see him again and again being very patient with ignorant people. And if you know Jesus yourself and you know of him in your own life, you know how patient he is with you and your ignorance. But we have to be careful to make sure that he is not, and to be clear that he is not dealing gently with us because he is like us and has sinned and so can't really be that harsh with us because he has sinned. He has not sinned. Jesus never sinned. And he, he knew all things. There was no ignorance in him. And so he is a greater high priest than the high priest of Aaron. And also Jesus never had to deal gently with those going astray, those intentional sinners, because Jesus himself, he never went astray. He never sinned intentionally. Now, once again, I'm not suggesting that Jesus is not gentle with intentional sinners. We read in Isaiah 42 about Jesus as a servant. It says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Sometimes we feel like a bruised reed or a smouldering wick, like we're almost about to die. But Jesus does not snuff us out. He deals gently with us. But his gentleness is not because he is a sinner and he has sinned intentionally and now can't deal with you as you smoulder away as that smouldering wick. And we also know that Jesus never had to offer a sacrifice for his own sin. Yes, he did offer a sacrifice for others, but Jesus never sinned and had to offer a sacrifice for himself. This verse 3 is, cannot be taken to be referring to Jesus. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. That cannot be said of Jesus because he never actually sinned. So Jesus is the best high priest because he never sinned. He never had to deal gently with the ignorant. He never had to deal gently with those going astray. He never had to offer a sacrifice for his own sins because Jesus never actually sinned. Now what does that mean if Jesus is the greater high priest in comparison to Aaron and his line of sons that come after him who serve as high priests? What does that mean? Well that means you don't go to Aaron and his sons to get atonement made for your sin. There is a far superior high priest. There's a better high priest and that priest is Jesus. Don't go to Aaron. Don't be like these readers of Hebrews who were thinking of actually leaving Christianity to going back to an inferior way of approaching God through Aaron and his sons. That's an inferior way. Don't go that way. Go to Jesus Christ, the greater high priest the one who was sinless. Now you may say, oh, I'm not really tempted to go to other people to 
have my sins forgiven. Of course I'm going to go to Jesus. But many people in this world look to others to forgive their sins, to grant them forgiveness of sins. They think that other sinners somehow have the ability to grant them atonement for their sin. And one major religion actually teaches this, very sadly, the Roman Catholic Church. In a Roman, when you go to a priest in the Roman Catholic Church and confess your sins to them, what do they say? According to the Roman Catholic Catechism, he says, God the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the church, may God give you pardon and peace, and I, I absolve you from your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now there's many things in that that are right about the Father and that pardon comes and forgiveness of sins comes through Jesus Christ. But who is the one who holds the key to whether you're forgiven? The Roman Catholic Church sadly teaches that it's the Pope and then the hierarchy that descend from the Pope and then, of course, to the local church priest who then is responsible for absolving you from your sin. It's an audacious statement to say to someone, I absolve you from your sin if you are a sinner yourself. How can you make that statement when you are a sinner yourself? How can you dare to try and say that somebody else is absolved from sin? You can't do it. And so many people do it. They so look to others to make up for their sin in their lives. But you can't. You have to go to Jesus Christ. And so if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I beg you, go to Jesus Christ, the greatest of all priests the only one who never sinned and who can make atonement for your sin at the cross by his death. I encourage you, if you're not a Christian, recognize you are a sinner and that you need Jesus Christ to absolve you from your sin. And the way you do that is come to him repentance and trust that he died for you. Just believe that he died for you and he grants you absolution from your sins. Nobody else, just him, because he is the great high priest. And I encourage you to do that now. Trust in him. And if you are a Christian, continue going to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. Recognize that when you sin, it is him and him alone who forgives your sin. When you sin against another person, it is very important to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. You may have sinned ignorantly, still go to them and tell them, I, was, I didn't realise what I was doing. You may have sinned intentionally to them, still go to them and say, I, I knew what I was doing and I was being a complete fool. Please forgive me. Definitely do that. But recognise that ultimately all sin is really against God. And if you want complete forgiveness for your sin, you have to go to Jesus Christ. It's important to ask another person for forgiveness of sin if you sinned against them. But make sure you go to Jesus Christ as well. Go to him. Ask him for forgiveness. Repent before him. Repentance is an ongoing part of the Christian life. And so when you see sin in your life, what should you be doing? You should be repenting 
Who to? Aaron and his sons? No, to Jesus. Jesus alone. Because he is the perfect high priest who does absolve us from our sins. Let us go to our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us Jesus as our great high priest. We cannot thank you enough for giving us one who was sinless and is sinless and forever will be sinless and who is able to represent us in matters relating to you and to make perfect atonement for our sins. Lord, may we never be tempted to look to other people to give us forgiveness for our sins. But may we always look to Jesus Christ. May we come to him in repentance and faith, begging that his sacrifice pays for our sins. And we pray this in his name. Amen.